Hello and welcome to the Omaha Podcast, where Omaha's most successful entrepreneurs help you grow your business. I'm your host, Matt Tompkins of Two Brothers Creative. So how many businesses fail? Unfortunately, the odds are not in our favor. Over half of new businesses fail within just the first five years. Only about 25% of businesses make it longer than 15 years. So how do you not go out of business within your first year? On today's episode of the Omaha Podcast, Anaquim CFO Jeremy Aspen joins us. He's going to share with us why businesses fail, what to look out for, and how to increase your chance of success and the crucial things that you need to know on how to not go out of business in your first year. We've been doing these episodes uh, helping uh, local business owners and entrepreneurs in in Omaha, Nebraska here. And as a resident of Omaha and a uh, relatively new small business owner in the last few years, at least given it the full go, the full-throated effort, um, I thought, you know, I got this down. I know everything. Like I've watched all the videos and I've seen the TED Talks and, you know, I'm just crushing it. And uh, we did an episode about businesses going out of business and how that's just a 25, 25% of businesses make it uh, longer than 10 years. And that is just a shocking statistic. And I don't think any of those businesses ever thought that they would be the one that would go out of business. So I, I thought, you know, well, maybe I should, maybe I should just be sure, you know, (laughs) went in and looked at things and I'm glad I did because there were a lot of things I just never considered. You know, I'm more creative and kind of free going. I'm not the analytical business expert. Uh, So I learned a lot very quickly or had to make some, some very, very big changes. And this can be a process that is often skipped and I want to share that because I think I've done almost everything wrong when it comes to how to not go out of business in your first year or two of operations. Today, we're going to learn from a guy who is all the things I'm not. I don't know if... (laughs) Cool. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to do that. Isn't that how you introduce people? I'm all the things Matt is not. Uh, Yeah, and pretty much everyone here in town gets it. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Aspen is here on the show. Uh, Jeremy is currently uh, the CFO and founder of Anaquim, and he also had a Wistar Property Management Group, which you recently sold. We've had your wife on the show, and Jeremy's like, what about me? I'm like, okay, fine. Come on, whatever. I'll make you feel part of the family. You're pretty cool, too, but you have some really innovative, and I think um, some very very practical ways that people can start a business and have a game plan, have a business strategy to fund that. And then, you know, if you have started out already, how to not go out of business. Yeah. So it's, um, one thing that we do as a company. So one thing, if if your viewers are wondering what's Anaquim, we have only about six employees in the United States, all five of them are here in Omaha and we have 900 employees outside of the country, out in Mexico, specifically in the Philippines. So that you haven't heard of us might not be all that well, surprising. Hang, hang on, you, you were in the news headlines. So let me back yeah, up. Okay. I'll humble brag for you for okay, a second. Right. So Anaquim was recently named the fourth fastest growing private company in the state of Nebraska and like what? Six five hundred and nine six hundred twelve six hundred twelve. I knew yeah, it. It was country. started with an S. Uh, yeah. So six hundred twelve <laughs> in the country. That is just phenomenal. And this co- this company 
that you and uh, Gwen Aspen, you started, you founded, you created from just an idea yeah, and a phone. And how many years ago was that that you got to start it to where you are today? Was Okay, so that would have been probably about 15 years ago where we started Wistar Group, which was a local company, mm-hmm. a property management company. And then I think it was 2017, yeah, so 18, five, we started up Anaquim. Yeah, four and or five it's years. Great. Yeah, yeah. It's, been, it's been great. But a lot of the reason that Anaquim's worked out okay is because I'd made a whole bunch of those mistakes with my first company. And that's where I think if there's some entre- young up and coming entrepreneurs, let me just tell you, there's things you can do to make things not go wrong or not for it to be so hard. I mean, you can still muscle through all the trouble, all the pain, use that, put yourself through all that trouble, but you can also really increase the likelihood of survival, the, your company's survival. With, I guess if I were going to pick one word, it'd be just discipline. Yeah, I mean, it's okay to not be original in the sense that operating a business, the operations, the financials, your sales and marketing, there are creative elements, yes, that are original and be innovative, but the basic structure of it, it, it really works pretty pretty, uh, pretty much across the board. I mean, it doesn't matter what business it is, there are certain fundamental things that you need. Uh, and I, I did some research for today because I wanted to see how like how good or bad I actually did. And I'm sharing my, my story flaws and all because I think perhaps the biggest disservice that we make is by going out and pretending that everything is just fine and everything is good and what me no uh, no i've got plenty of money that, i'm going on a vacation i haven't you seen my instagram photos i mean I, come on have you seen my credit card life is great <laughs> and then we're then we internalize all that stress and it becomes overwhelming it affects not just the business but your personal life your health uh your relationships it has detrimental effects so so i share that say i'm not perfect i mean there are you know a lot of things i do right i mean trust me my wife will tell you but <laughs> I will share when I when I am learning because that's what this is all about is you're always learning as I'm sure you are today. So the list I found, Jeremy, uh, know the taxes is number one. And I think by this they mean uh, put money aside for taxes. Okay, well yeah, so you, but you, you, I'm, I'm one of the, I really like to be able to focus on things that I'm good at. And I get really frustrated when I have to do anything that isn't included in that, that isn't something that I'm good at. Um, taxes and insurance are my least favorite things in the world. I hate it, but you don't really want to neglect it. If you, but if you do look into it enough to understand that, um, or, or if you know your numbers well enough, you can understand about what your tax bill is going to be at the end of the year, and especially if you're paying it quarterly. If you're just starting, maybe you're not there yet, but a, a certain amount of your revenue, just keep it off to the side. You know. It, which I didn't do. I, I went on like wild, uh, just luxurious, all-inclusive, uh, the Norwegian, uh, what is it, the Nor- Norwegian uh, yacht tours they do or whatever they're called. I, I did like five of them in one year. No, I'm kidding. Good for you. That, I, that I didn't do any of those. Yeah, get those experiences. Front load life with those experiences <laughs> yeah. when you can't afford it. I'll be broke when I'm older. Yeah. You know, I'll wait till I'm retired or whatever you want to call that. Yeah, uh, yeah you destitute. won't be retired. You'll be, <laughs> yeah, you'll be more destitute. Um, Was this a mistake you think you made early on, like not setting enough money aside with Mainly no, you know what? Star before with Anaquin. So, uh, when it comes to the taxes and just money, generally speaking, I've just never done debt. So, there's this other thing. It depends on the kind of business that you're operating. Because if you have an inventory-intensive company, you've got to push cash through your system. You've got to buy inventory. You've got to hold it, um, and then and it makes it a lot harder to hold money off to this physically hold money off to the side. 
um, and, and because it puts it's uh, somewhat detrimental to your ability to pay other bills and things. So there's a bit of a dance and balance, but if we're talking like a services industry like ours, I've just always um, been really disciplined to make sure that we we had enough money saved off at the side of the year. And you have to because they what what it, it sounds counterintuitive, but nobody's ever gone broke paying taxes. Sounds in sounds ridiculous, but fact of the matter is, if you're paying your taxes, you're going to be okay. Yeah. If you're not paying your taxes, you're in trouble. Uh, so yeah, which I definitely did. Government? Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, and I want to. I just want to back up just a second. So at the end of this episode, if you have made all these mistakes, like I have, and I may be asking this just for myself to just save my own uh, skin, but we're gonna. Uh, Jeremy's going to give us some 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 pro tips on on how to get the, how to write the ship, how to get back on track. Uh, so I don't want you to feel like, oh my God, I, I have rude. I've done all these things wrong and yeah, it's the end of, end of my business. No, that's not the case. Uh, as long as you recognize it and deal with it and have a plan uh, and follow through with it, I think you can always get things back on track. Um, Jeremy, with your, with you, the way you started out, maybe you can kind of, cause like the things I did here, like, you know, uh, uh, the taxes, uh, don't spend all of your income is another one. Do the bulk of the work yourself. I mean, I, I did do that for most of it, promote yourself, uh, and, and you have to network and market fast, but I think you can offer a very unique perspective, a creative way to look at this in how you approached how you and Gwen, uh, when you started off with, with Wistar. So you didn't have the millions of dollars in the fame and fortune. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we do. There, I mean, if I'm if I'm talking to a, a business owner and by the way, we do do some consulting for hundreds of other property management companies around the country. And this is stuff that we tell them. You have got to have pr policies and procedures so that you ought that so that decisions are already made. You don't need to every time something comes up use your brain's power to determine what the next step is. Automate it. If you can't automate it, automate it. But at the very least, make sure that you've put the, the you've front loaded all of your energies into the procedures so that you can, into your operations, so that you're saving yourself time down the road. So um, an example is payables. Have a system like that includes uh, you put the bills into your software, you code it correctly, and then on a certain day of the week, you approve the bills, and then on another day of the week, the next day, you print the checks. Get used to doing that right now. So let's simplify that though. Okay, because pe so, people heard the word code and they're like, what? No, okay, right, right. All okay, right so, so, so simplify it. You get a bill for rent. Yeah. All right, you know when it's due. When you get the bill, let's just say they invoice you, you put it into the system, you put it into your QuickBooks or whatever software that you're using. Um, you put it in correctly, who it's gonna get paid to, what the due date is, and then you code it, which is to say you put you code it as rent, mm -hmm. right? These are rent. You save it, and then have the, start with the discipline now of every Thursday morning, sometime, going in and just approving the bill making sure that the bill that you were sent is the amount that you agreed to and hit print. If it's the only bill you have that week, that's fine. You're, start, you're building the discipline. And then on Fridays, print the check. And then in two weeks, it's gonna be checks. And in four years, it's gonna be hundreds of checks. But you've already got the discipline. You've, you've already got the system. You also already have that written down so that when you hire someone else on board, they're already following the mm -hmm. procedures. And there's, there's 
a benefit to doing this, not just that you have this discipline, but your vendors also can predictably rely on when they're gonna get paid. So what's that do? It stops them from calling you and asking. You pay your, pay your bills on time and just be absolutely certain that you don't have vendors that are wondering when you're gonna get paid. It's so easy to avoid. It's it's really, it's automation in, a, in the sense that these, uh, this is what I was alluding to uh, at the start of this episode, that there are things you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You're gonna have to pay bills. You're gonna have to get paid from your customers or clients that are hiring you for your product, buying your product or your your service. And uh, like we started off with QuickBooks and I think the, you know, reconciling your books and some of those things we might be able to touch on, uh, on yeah. a, in a broad view because it can be intimidating. It was for me, yeah, right. it's overwhelming. There's yeah. like so many options within QuickBooks and there, but there are other services like uh, bill.com is one that we use that are very simplified. And you can, like you said, you enter the vendor, their information, you enter your customer and their information, you have their bank, whatever, however you're doing your ACH payments or credit card payments. Once it's set up, you don't even have to think about it. It's just that you can set it up to just auto renew once, however often, once a month, once every two weeks, whatever it might be. Yeah. And then to use this, another example of receivables, if the, a day goes by past the, the credit date that you've extended to them, they know they're going to get a call because your procedure is to run every day or every week um, a, a list of all the clients that are overdue by whatever day you determine, 10 days, and you call them, you call them, you don't send them a, 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 an email, call them up, let them know that you're watching it, find out when they can get it, have them give you a date of when it's gonna be paid, make a note in the system, and if they don't, if you don't get the check by then, you call them up. That happens, say, three times, and if they don't have it back in you three times, the next step is you just send it to collections. If the client knows that this stuff is gonna happen, they're not ba trying to balance their cash flow with your, with your money. They just know that this is the way it's set up. You can be professional, well, you have to be professional about mm -hmm. it. Be professional about it, but have a very systematic way of approaching these things, because that, that stability and the, predictab the predictability that come from it save tons of time down the road. And that's how you're able to project your future earnings budget to know, are we growing? Are we falling behind? Like, are there things, can we go to this conference next year or whatever it might be that you wanna invest in? Um, like early on, would you say, cause I, I found this to be true, not just with the the financials and establishing some of those routines and, uh, and, and automations, the procedures for those things uh, that we have now, but it, also the, how you interact with your your customers and in the sense of not selling them the product but just the the details on the back end so having an agreement having a contract oh, yeah. that, that you can sign or at least that very clear in an email form at, very, at the very least of here are the expectations for you and for me because if if you don't and i don't know if you if you had a moment where you didn't do that it, it's hard to go back because then you have to basically just start over with that relationship uh, and you lose i don't know how many months or years uh depending on how this may have gone south yeah well so um here, you know here so in a nutshell here's what i think kind of has to happen you have a product or you have a service that is what you're bringing to market so you don't need to be the best at necessarily at having that you, know, you can you can sell a commodity, mm -hmm. but you have to be the best. For, you have to have something that bring kind of has you stand apart with the competition or makes you at least a viable 
uh, competitor to the people that you hope to be competing against. Um, but there's a lot of other aspects of business, which is where almost all these small businesses fail. And it's the boring shit. It's paying the bills. It's collecting money. Mm-hmm. Um, just to even just, just stick with the two examples we have there. What you want to do as a business owner is set it up so that shit is so easy that it's boring. You don't want to use brain power on procedures that have literally been in place for thousands of years. Like paying bills is not, if you're, if you're creative paying bills, or you're working hard to pay bills, you're definitely doing it wrong. It's a 2,000 year old process. Get it down, make it boring, so the time that you save today is something that is time that you can use. Well, you save time today, like the things that you're creating, these procedures that you're doing right now, what you're trying to do with those is save next Tuesday's afternoon, next Thursday's afternoon, next, and every time, well, that's another thing. You're saving all this time in the future yeah. so that you can focus on bringing to the market what you're good at, not these basic business things. They're, they're yeah. It sucks away from your, just your general enjoyment for that you're supposed to be, or the things you're supposed to be enjoying as a business owner. Yeah. You're doing what you love. You're setting your own schedule. Well, I've done the same thing. And I think it's it's common and it's not, it's not abnormal to say that uh, I this is I hate doing this part of the job. It's boring. It's tedious. It I just don't want to do it. Uh, so then you wait till the last minute to do it, and then you have to pull you know an all nighter. You're working late, and then the next week comes along. And you're like, well, I yeah, I could like work ahead. I could do my homework on Friday, so I could go out and party Saturday. But I waited until Saturday, and now I can't go out. So just like take the time. Trust me, I've done it wrong, and I'm do, we're doing it right now. It is so much off of your your shoulder plate yeah it is so stress relieving break every one of those things down into their smallest component parts that you can dedicate resources like a a time to Mm -hmm. break it down put it in in its normal orderly thing input the bill into the system code it approve it pay it and then just have it set up so that those things are always done in their sequential or you know what the next step is it's really really easy make that shit boring so so the the how are you doing it the the stuff that is boring and uh maybe it's exciting mean, it's probably exciting to somebody i don't know somebody believes processes and procedures are sexy somewhere on in planet on planet earth <laughs> we're gonna have some of those links and resources to how you can find places to do that in the show notes here today like i mentioned quickbooks bill.com uh sweet process or process street make it super easy and convenient but aside from those like uh the routines and the automations of the things you're going to have to do. Um, what are some other areas is specifically to the money and not going broke? Like that's one way you don't go broke. You stay on top of those things. Another way you don't go broke is figuring out a way to A, start your business in the first place and B, uh, have income to survive on for you and your family if your business isn't generating huge profits right out, you know, in its first year. Well, yeah, so there's a couple of different approaches to this. The approach I've always taken is that we're self-funded. We just do everything, uh, even when we're, we, we, so you can bootstrap or you can borrow. Really, I mean, that's kind of, if you break it down to the simplest parts, if you're bootstrapping, um, like in our case, my wife worked for 18 months uh, where we didn't bring any sort of a paycheck on at all. And then after that, we started bringing in a paycheck and then it kind of uh, blew up and, you know, over the course of years turned into what it was. There's another way of doing it, which is to borrow, like to put together a plan um, that shows potential investors what you're planning on doing. And 
And then in those cases, you kind of have to front load the, you have to be able to predict, kind of something like you said earlier, you have to know what it is that's coming in the future so that you can explain it to investors so they write a check and then um, be able to demonstrate to them that you're on track. It's a much more complicated way of, run, of running a business, I think, but it's also one that has more likelihood of being able to work in the long run. So you give a little bit up. Uh, our, ours is riskier in just that we weren't willing to take on debt or, or bring on new partners. Uh, so we don't have that flexibility of bringing in other people's cash to keep, you know, cash flow, keep people paid and all that stuff. So there's, there's, <laughs> Jeremy just spilled his water all over his pants, uh, which I just want to tell people because it was, it was, it was very rewarding for me. I don't know. It was gratifying to see you spill on your, usually it's me spilling on myself or ripping a hole in my pants. You mentioned something like when we were talking kind of before the podcast and it, it was a eyes gloss over moment for me. Uh, so I, I explain what you were talking about there as far as uh, getting the financials and, and working working ahead versus, I don't know, you put it in better terms than I did. Okay, and, so, oh, oh, okay. And simplify it for somebody. That, <laughs> okay, so, okay, all right. Uh, who, uh, who passed basic college math. Okay, uh, well, so compound interest is something like Einstein thought it was one of the most amazing things in the world and it's because uh, like with your 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 house payment you know you're paying all this interest up front um, compound interest is basically you have you borrow a hundred dollars and then you're gonna pay one dollar a year for it right to borrow and so but let's say you don't pay it so then the next year you're gonna have to pay uh, interest on one hundred one dollars, right? And so it keeps compounding, and it can it can work for you or it can work against you. But if you can get compound interest to work in your favor, like banks do, um, you I mean, it, it it it's like a, it's like a hurricane in a good way. And that I should bad bad example since there's a hurricane going on. Right now, good one. Uh, the compound interest um, is dangerous in a lot of ways, but it's also an instrument that that you can use to really uh, make yourself richer. Like mm. with the funding idea, if you have, if you're looking to self fund or get funding uh, through your business plan from a lender or a combination of the two, I think in both cases you want to end up in a situation where, well, in a relatively short amount of time, you're not still paying. Uh, these huge payments or interest on things. Uh, so, and you've kind of figured out like an interesting creative way to do that when you started Wistar. Yeah, so there's, um, yeah, compound interest, if it's something that you're not really familiar with, maybe this is tip number one. Better learn that one. <laughs> yeah, that, like, yeah. Look, do a Google search. Yeah. Basically, uh, well, I throw it around at dinner parties and people just dig to, it. Yeah, people Especially think the girls. Yeah. The girls oh, love man. It. Oh, my God. Um, so, but what you want to do in business, just like how compound interest can work against you or, or work for you, you need to put your energies in at the front end. Um, you need to take a little bit of time every single week to work on making your procedures tighter and easier and more boring. Because the sooner you can get into that flow, that boringness, the sooner that you can spend the extra time doing work that really changes, sets yeah. you apart or, or- Working on the business, growing Work the on business. your business, yeah. work on the next one. Like get these things prioritized, low hanging fruit first, get the payables thing down pat, and then go on to the receivables thing. Just get those things knocked out because every part of your week, especially when you're starting, most importantly, when you're starting your business, you have to set time aside to make the future better, not just to push out your product. That's 
that's going to make that's going to keep you in a position where you are not able to fund anything new, anything mm. exciting, keep up on technology. Make sure you do that stuff at the front end so that in the future you can reap the rewards of that extra time and more efficient systems to make you more money. I feel like that's really the general um, consensus here as far as a, a major takeaway from this episode is uh, you have to put in the, the time and the work uh, and you can do it in, in increments, like set aside 30 minutes a day to work on those processes and procedures. Set aside 30 minutes a day to get your financials in order. And this may be years before you even start the business. You know, start putting money away. That's a good point, away. yeah, I think that's right. Know, yeah, start putting away money now, like now for a business you wanna open later. I know in my case it was uh, knowing that this time was gonna come when I wasn't gonna renew my contract, I was gonna go just, you know, no net, no safety net. And you slowly start building up, uh, you know, working on the side and you're freelancer and you're doing this gig economy work so that you can roll that into what becomes your business. And so I think putting the work in on the front end, when it, and I know it's it's not like the, the sexy, fun thing to do. It's certainly not. You yeah. know, uh, but that is really the, the key to not going out of business in your first year, not just not going out of business, but having a successful, profitable business in the long haul. Yeah, it's sound of sounding uh, repetitive. You have got to spend your time working on the stuff that every business has. It's predictable. You're going to pay bills. You're going to collect. You just get those basic things figured out ahead on how you're going to operate. If you look at like the top things, I mentioned how at the the beginning of this episode how uh, pod, how how common it is for po uh, for podcasts for businesses. Well, podcasts but in could this be a case, business. yeah, that's right. Um, go out of business and. It's really startling when you see that. And I think this is, the, the top reasons they list are usually like management, uh, they, it's you know financials, funding, not having the money. But those two things, the main things they mention, all really can be solved with one quick solution. And that is doing the work on the front end, planning, set aside, you know, uh, in fact, Gwen gave me the tip when I said, this is overwhelming, I can't do all these, this process and procedures, and then setting your quarterly goals and annual goals, and she said, no, just sit down, like do an hour a week where you learn something new. So this hour, this week, yeah. I'm gonna learn how to reconcile my books and make sure everything matches up in QuickBooks, and then the next week, I work on my processes and procedures, and I think that's a more manageable way to approach it, it makes it, uh, realistic for someone, a business owner like myself who doesn't want to do it to actually get things done. Yeah, and, and you know, so if you're going to give people, we mentioned a couple of things that I think. Okay, so if you don't know how to reconcile or the value of reconciling your books, go figure that out. Um, we have consulted for hundreds of management companies, and almost none of them do bookkeeping correctly. None, rarely do they actually do reconciliations correctly. And it's, especially when it's you're dealing with other people's money like they are, it's one of the best things you can do to to weed out confusion in the, confusion in the future and to have an accurate understanding of where your books are. And Get your stuff reconciled. And so for somebody who doesn't know, okay, like reconcile so your books in a basic terms. Reconcile your books your is, what you're doing is you're gonna take a bank statement. And, and well, no, let's do this, we'll start the other way. You have software that you're inputting charges, transactions into. Like QuickBooks or like something? Like QuickBooks. Yeah. And then what you wanna do is like that universe that you're living inside of for financials, you wanna make absolutely sure that it is reconciled or is exactly the same in as close to real time as possible as to what the bank is telling you happened. 
Same with credit cards. You've got to keep an accurate recording of what you're doing, and then you've got to make sure that the banks are uh, are on the on are on the same page as you. That's a huge because sometimes you'll duplicate a transaction or you'll forget to put one in something like that. Mm-hmm. In as close to real time as possible, make sure they are in there. Show this one's here. You click it, and your books is done, and 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 it just gets rid of a lot of confusion. And you reconcile books daily, right? We do yeah, books so every single yeah. day, and that and allows you to have pretty accurate projections too. I know exactly. So yeah, I mean every single, and we just did um, like last week, one point two million dollars of invoices, and. Our books are all done. I know exactly what our profitability is for month to date, and that's the sort of stuff that you can do. You can project in the future better. Reconciliation is one of them. Get that one figured out. Nobody does it, and you got to. And then you can make it boring, like how we do it is yeah. every day. You can do it every Tuesday or Thursday, but do do it. Just set that time aside for your administrative stuff, a certain time of the week, get it knocked out, and it'll, it'll, it'll also help you understand, like, did the client actually pay? What if there's a deposit in there that mm-hmm. you didn't register? Well, maybe they did pay, maybe they used ill ePay. And you'd be surprised how that happens. Even with, with a good system in place, things can happen, they will happen. I mean, it, and that's what I did when I, I said, well, I haven't really, because bookkeeping, that's just, it's with, I think most business owners, is probably not their number one skill or forte that they can just jump in and be as, you yeah, know, know, as- For sure. <laughs> as as uh, pr- uh, proficient as you are in that uh, in that area. And it was it was reconciling the books. They like, wait a minute, why does, this is why things aren't looking right. You can resolve it, you can make a plan. And uh, I, I'm glad that I am doing that because it, it is easier than you think to get off track. It is easier than you think to not do these things like, you know, uh, setting money aside for taxes, not blowing your, your money on a Caribbean cruise or whatever it might be. Real quick, because I know we got just just a, a couple minutes here, but what would you tell somebody who has done some or many of these things wrong? Uh, it's they're still in business. How do they right the ship? Uh, the The very first thing you do after you hear about this is this: go make your basic business procedures boring, and you'll spend a lot of time doing it. But it's it's not insurmountable. And it's got to be done because those boring tasks are the one that you're going to end up hiring people for. And here's another thing: if you're if they're boring tasks, like you've already got it pretty automated, you also get to pay people a little bit less money for doing work that doesn't require as much thought. You instead of hiring an accountant or a CPA, you can hire a bookkeeper because the procedure takes care of the details about how you're going to report your income to the IRS because you put it in the system correctly. Um, the other one is valuing, value, valuing your time or, or your product correctly. A lot of times at the beginning, you're going to have pressure to try to compete and try You'll to say win. Yes. You'll say yes you're to gonna everybody. You're going to say yes to stuff you don't yeah. think is right. Stop it. Don't I mean, feel it. Recognize it. Don't let yourself go down that track because they're also going to be the clients you're probably not that are probably not going to pay you. And they're going to be the most difficult. Oh, and they're definitely going to be the most difficult. They're going to have the best excuses. They're going to say, "I sent the check. You didn't reconcile your books." So then you got to run through your entire statement, figure stuff out. Uh, The other one is reputation. Don't lie once ever. I run into it all the time where people kind of make these white little lies, and it just and people know it, and it digs into the reputation, and you can't get out of that. Don't lie once ever. 
One final tip, uh, and Jeremy Aspen, I appreciate uh, the insight here today, and I, I expect you to do our books before you leave and reconcile everything. I, think I just got done. Yeah. Oh, you did. Okay. Done. It's all automated. See how easy <laughs> it is. He did it while we were doing this episode. No. Um, one thing that I think really helps, generally speaking, that I have learned in in just kind of my evolution here, you know, of what little there there is, you know, some would tell you, but what I've learned is to separate yourself from the company and. All these things here are company decisions. They're not personal decisions. Right. Yeah, that's good. You're not making a company decision that you have to say no to the project or you have to uh, have to say, hey, client XYZ, you're you're cut off because of this. It's a company decision. It's the personal side that we get confused. It's that emotional side. We want to make people happy. We want to over deliver, but you have to separate yourself from that. Same thing with goes with the basics of the reconciling your books, the financials, the routines, the processes and procedures. Those are company things that the company needs. You don't personally need them. That's why they're boring to us. But keep that in mind. There is a separation. And when you do that simple thing, just a thought experiment, just kind of separate yourself, it makes things so much easier to do. And uh, that I would recommend highly uh, for people on a philosophical note, I guess. Um, well, and what you're doing in that case is like in your case, the cameras don't turn on until we get whatever, 50% yeah. of the, that's it. And, and then it's their decision whether they want the cameras on. Yeah, and being clear up front. So I mean, up front, yeah. a lot of uh, very helpful uh, tips here today. We're gonna put a bunch of resources for you in the show notes from uh, play, uh, websites. You can go, like I mentioned earlier, to get your process and procedures, keep it nice and simple and it's easy to use. You don't have to think about it ever again. Set up your billing. Uh, you know, DocuSign is great for digitally signing agreements and contracts. Listen, if I can do these things, Anybody can do these things. I've known Matt a long yeah. time. There's a lot of truth to that. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Aspen uh, with Anaquim, uh, also formerly with uh, Wistar, uh, founded two com two companies on the rise. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you're finally on the rise. That's good. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's getting embarrassing. Um, I know the success was just kind of right like recipe. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, the uh, and you, I mean, don't depreciate what you've done. I mean, in the last couple of years, you've really turned this thing around. You've got a real I mean, this look at this place. It's really cool. You're you're doing a lot of the right stuff. You're I know you're beating yourself up for doing a lot of the wrong stuff. You're doing a lot of the right stuff though, as evidenced by the fact that you're here. We're sitting here today. Right. Yeah. So I appreciate I appreciate that. And yeah, it's hard to do as a. As, oh yeah. It's hard to you'll say. Self-critical oh, as hell. Yeah. You'll only focus on the things you did you, wrong or the nature of it being in charge is that you uh, have a very filtered list of crap. That is the uh, uh, what do they call that the. Um, the imposter syndrome. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And that's for a future episode. That could be a whole episode or yeah, a whole podcast in and of itself. Uh, but some helpful stuff here for you today. Je uh, Jeremy Aspen, thanks so much for uh, joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks once again for joining us here today on the Omaha Podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Follow us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening to the podcast. We have more episodes on the way, and we want to hear from you. What more do you want from the Omaha Podcast? Are there topics that we haven't covered yet that you'd like to hear right here on the show? You can reach me, twobrotherscreative, at gmail.com. Hit the subscribe button, though, so you never miss an episode, and we'll see you next time. Omaha Podcast, where Omaha's most successful entrepreneurs help your business grow.